Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. That's a rich imagery to have in our minds as we open the text this morning. Um, feeling like we can be experts of something, have a robust experience of it. Um, maybe there's nothing left for us in it, um, but maybe there is. See, Jesus, we, we've been talking about the greatest stories ever told. And um, thinking about this, and hey, look, at that, look at that image real quick. What do you see? You see people. You see people. So today, as we look yet again at another story of Jesus, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the outcome is not, wow, Jesus told great stories. The outcome is, wow, Jesus transforms lives. And those lives become great stories. I can't miss that because as I've reflected on this text this week, I thought... um, I think we can, we can all maybe do a little reflection and, and acknowledge that if we have received this seed, which Peter just read about in this story, and we'll jump into it in a minute, and it has produced some fruit, if that's our story, then we're the good soil. Uh, but if you're like me, sometimes you'd say, oh man, I, there's seasons where I have just been great soil. And there's seasons where I'm just going on fumes. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Jesus doesn't say the soil can change. But anyone who's had a garden, anyone who's planted some seeds knows your soil changes. You have to work it. You have to prepare it year in and year out. So uh, as I entered into this text, I started feeling like I'm the most amazing person ever. Jesus saved me. And now look at my life. And then I ended up, oh, but what about, and oh, that time, and oh, man, that wasn't so great. And I started to go through and realize that there's a daily reapplication for me. And I hope there is for you as well. Because in this story, this idea that Jesus is a great storyteller, if you're familiar with his stories, it's interesting that we say that. He was a great storyteller, and he confused a lot of people. He told some great stories. And when he was done, most often his hearers were like, what? What was was he talking about? Now, fortunately, Gary in asking me to teach today gave me kind of a softball. This is one that Jesus explains. So I can't veer too far from that. Jesus tells the story and then he's like, let me tell you what it means. I can't go too far from that, but it's actually one of the only few parables that has an explanation attached to it. So sometimes we say, Jesus, he told stories because they make everything so clear. But if you read the gospels, Often when he was done with the stories, people are like, what did you mean? And he's like, hi, you don't understand because your, heart's, your heart is hard. And then he walks away. So today we get brought into a time when he does something a little different. We're going to talk about the kingdom. We're going to backtrack a little bit to what set up this day. This was a day of all days in the life of Christ. This day did not begin with a story. He didn't wake up and gather people together and go, hey, everybody, story time, and then spend your day thinking about it. This is what's happened so far before, the, before we hear this story. Jesus gathers everyone together with him. This is what happens. First, he's in the fields on the Sabbath. He's messing with the established way life is supposed to be. And the religious people are like, what are you doing? It's the Sabbath. And Jesus 
casually says, well, you see Jesus, he says, you see, the son of man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for me. Well, that starts the day. And then he continues on and uh, to make that a little more clear, he calls his hearers, he looks at him, he says, hey guys, I have some stories for you. So to get your attention and win you over, I've got a name for you. You're a brood of vipers. So he wins the hearts of all his hearers. <laughs> and then he tells them, and you know what? I, just like Jonah, who was in the belly of a fish for three days, I'm going to go into the heart of the earth for three days. And then I'm going to come back and it's going to be a sign to you. And then he goes a little further and he says, you know, when you clean out a house, because now his hearers, this is, we haven't even got to the story yet. This is just Jesus getting going this day. Now his hearers are like, yes, but what authority do you have to cast out demons? And he says, well, you know, if you clean a house and you kick out all the bad guys, but you don't take care of the strong man, they just come back and they bring all their friends. He's just piling on story upon story. And here's what's interesting. The crowds get bigger and bigger. I don't know about you, but by this point, I don't have a ton of clarity. I'm looking at this, at this text. I'm going, Jesus, what are you doing? You're turning the world upside down one piece at a time. And each thing you say, it's taking things apart further and further and further. It's not putting them together neatly. It's taking them apart further and further and further. So I imagine this is what happens. Let me read a little bit before chapter 13. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Any parents in the room? Have you ever had that moment where you're like, um, oh, my kid's gone off the rails? It's time to bring them in a little bit, remind them who we are, maybe tell them not to talk so much. God gave us two ears and one mouth. I imagine that's what Jesus' mom wanted to say right there because until the resurrection, Mary was still uncertain of her son's purpose. And so someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. And he replied, does anybody know how Jesus replies? Who are my mother and brothers? And then he looks at his disciples and he says, these are my brothers. That's the day that leads us up to this story. I just need you to see all that because as we talk about the greatest stories ever told, it's really critical that we don't diminish Jesus down to like a, a Rafi, like really good storyteller. He's got his ukulele and all the kids gather around and like, this guy's incredible. Often after Jesus told stories, people were vexed and conflicted, confused, leaning in for more needing to understand more. And so the crowds gather and Jesus gets in a boat and goes out a little ways into the Sea of Galilee and he turns and much like my position to you, there's these crowds and he begins to speak and he tells them the story of a farmer who went out to sow, casting seed on the paths. And as he's doing this, you can imagine everybody sitting there understood exactly what he was talking about. Agriculture was part of their life. Planting, sowing, reaping, it was how they survived. And so as he told these stories, he's using a common metaphor, a common picture, something that works for his hearers. In many ways, like Peter said, they might've been like, oh, we're experts on this one. We know how this works. Seeds gotta go in good soil. And when it goes in good soil, it grows up. And when it grows up, you get a harvest. And if it's a really good harvest, it's like 10 times the harvest. But let's look again at what Jesus says. 
says a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus is beginning to talk about the kingdom of God. He's beginning to talk about the kingdom of God. And we have to understand this for this seed to make sense. The seed is the word of the kingdom. The seed is this message. Kingdom is the rule and reign. We're not that familiar with uh, monarchies here. All right? We are a, to be honest, we're a not my president type of political system. And in that place, when you get to choose where your allegiance lies, we are fundamentally operating from a completely different structure than the one that Jesus' hearers were where they were under the rule of an empire, a kingdom, the rule and reign of Rome. And Jesus says, it's time to talk about a new kingdom. And this kingdom is the rule and reign of God. And the, the rule of a kingdom is very simply, what is that kingdom about? Rome was about conquest. Well, so is the kingdom of God, but it's a little different. It was about seeking and saving the lost, capturing hearts and restoring and redeeming the world. So as Jesus talks about the seed, there's only one seed, and I want you to have that in your mind. The seed is not an idea. The seed is not an opinion. The seed is not a slate of teachings. The seed is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, the Lord within the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the seed that's planted. And as Jesus gets, so what comes after this is a whole series of parables and stories on the kingdom. So that's our whole backstory. When we get to this key idea as we jump into the text, the kingdom of God is for everyone, but not everyone receives it. This is um, as generous of a statement as you can make about the kingdom of God. It is for everyone. It is for you. It is for me, but not everyone receives it because unlike Rome, which gave you no opportunity to receive its rule and reign, the farmer scatters seeds and some land on a hard path and some on a shallow path and some go down, but they're planted among weeds and thorns and some in rich, deep soil. So the farmer, there's... A farmer is unchanging here. There's a seed that's unchanging, but the soils, that's the changing part. And here's the, the challenge as a preacher. Um, sometimes you go, man, I've got to switch this seed up a little bit. We've got to make it a little more interesting. We've got to find a way to talk about the seed that captures the heart. Um, I, was, I was leading a youth camp in a season, and we had a group of high schoolers come through, and they were just so bored with what we were talking about. Now, no one, I don't like that. So we got our program team together and we said, we're going to switch this up. We're going to, we need them to know that God is real. So here's how we're going to do it. We had a new counselor come in and he looked like he was about 16. We said, we're going to pretend like you're a student. No one knows you're a counselor yet. And when I get up to speak, I'm going to let the kids know that one of the special gifts I have as a speaker is pointing out sins in people's lives. 
They're not going to believe me at first, though. So what I'm going to do, this was probably like the one bad idea I had in my life, okay? <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell them I have this gift. They're going to look at me like it's with skepticism. And I'm going to say, the Lord is telling me you, and I'm going to point at this young-looking counselor. And this is what I did. The Lord is telling me you are living a secret life. You pretend to be a leader, but you're deeply addicted to pornography and nobody knows. And you've begun to dabble with drug use. And he, he plays it up so well. He's like, how did you know the Lord has revealed? And we're like, God is powerful. Now, I hadn't thought through how I was going to segue. Like, <laughs> hey, everybody, that was a skit. I didn't have to go that far because as the, that, that counselor plays that up, I began to look around the room, scanning the room. And as I get about a third of the way through this camper, first day at camp, all right, he sits up. He's like, no, no. Well, he uses a lot of different words. He's like, no way. I'm out of here. And he runs out the door. So one of the other leaders runs after him. And I say, all right, it was a bad idea. This is a counselor. I do not have the ability to see your sins and tell the crowd. We just wanted you to experience that God was real. Um, it didn't go well. I don't think I was trusted the rest of the week. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes you're, you're, you're like the seed. It's got to be, we got to spice this thing up. I want you to know that God is real. I want you to experience his power. I want you, I want you, I want you. And Jesus says, I'm not going to get all time. There's a farmer and he's scattering seeds. And maybe it doesn't even make sense that he would throw some on the path, but he's willing to take that risk because maybe that seed will find a way to take root. And maybe he shouldn't throw it into shallow soil, but he's willing to take that risk because just maybe it'll find a way to take root. And maybe he shouldn't sow his seeds among the thorns, but he is because that seed is for everybody. And then he sows his seed in a fertile soil. So as we look at these four soils, and I'm thankful to the scriptures today because I can't really get it wrong. Jesus tells us what each one is. As we look at these four soils, remember the seed is the same every time. The seed is the word of the kingdom. The seed is the truth and the reality that our faith is not based on gathering here on a Sunday. It is not based on a text that we read. It is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First, foremost, and I'd go as far to say only. Amen. After that, amen. After that, after that, we get to live into the abundance of this faith and all that it brings us and provides for us. But the foundation of the church is an empty tomb. So with that seed in mind, let's hear about these soils. So <clears throat> there is a segue that happens in this text. If you're with me, you go to chapter 10 or verse 10. It won't be on the screen. We're in Matthew 13, verse 10. It says, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will, even what they have will be taken from them. That is why I speak in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, 
And then he goes into this prophecy in Isaiah. I'm not going to be teaching on this aspect of the text today, but I would encourage you, go in, read, read through this area, get, gather in your different community groups, and explore what's happening here. Because Jesus entered the world in a space and time. And in this space and time, he's entering into the Hebrew history and tradition. And as a Jew and a prophet and one who's come to fulfill their prophecies as God become man, Jesus is fundamentally saying right here, there's something going on with God's promises that began way back in Genesis. See, there's a people who just won't hear. There's just some who the seed falls and they just don't get it. So I'm telling these stories. Now the disciples would not understand what that meant until the birth of the church. The church came into existence and a people of God were formed, hearing and understanding, a church that included the Jewish believers in Jesus. So that happens in there. We're not going to jump into that today, but we're actually going to jump down to verse 18. <clears throat> Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The first soil, it's a hard soil. It's a hard soil and the seed has nowhere to go. Let me read those two texts again. I'm going to take verse 4 and verse 19 and put them together. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. And when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. This morning as we prayed over our gatherings, one part of my prayer was that the evil one would be silenced today. That those of you who find yourselves in one of these first three paths or maybe find yourself on that first path and you go, actually, the heart has always been hard. There's reasons our hearts are hard. I like to think mine's not hard anymore, but when I came into adulthood, I came into adulthood with a hard heart. Family does that to you. Broken relationships do that to you. Unmet dreams and expectations do that to you. Being hurt by people in the church does that to you. You have a hard heart. And that seed falls. And what's so crushing about this, it's not that the soil over time can't receive that seed. It's that the enemy comes down, takes it away. Opportunity gone. We don't, in this series, teach much about the spiritual working of things. But today we have asked that the enemy, Satan, would have no opportunity to take the seed away from your heart. Because prayer is the power and the tool we have in that. So the seed falls on the first soil and it's a hard soil and it cannot be received. Every part of Jesus' story begs a question of those who listen. Every word he speaks in this parable is asking you a question in return. He starts with a hard soil and some sitting and hearing would go, oh, he's, he knows me. He's called me out. I've heard the word of the kingdom and I cannot receive it. It just doesn't stay long enough. And so he goes on then to the shallow soil. See, this is a seed that has no room to grow. Let's read these two verses together. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose up, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And in verse 20 of chapter 13, Jesus explains, 
As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Maybe this has been you. And maybe this has been those around you, someone you've known, someone you've shared your hope of Christ with. And it seems like they light up. I mean, after spending two decades in youth ministry, this is a common experience. You know, there's a statistic, and I don't like it. The statistic says that the majority of people come to faith before they're 18. If you step back a little bit, you go, yeah, I guess because what, you can manipulate people's perception of reality when they're younger? I mean, the power of God is not better, is not more powerful with young people. I totally reject that statistic. Nowhere does Jesus say that my best work is going to be done before you're 18. The kingdom never establishes that that demarcation. Instead, the seed falls on soils. And maybe the soil of a younger person, maybe there's more that they can process with. I may have sat with students whose hearts are broken over things happening in their families. And we've been able to walk through that together before their heart becomes hard. So maybe that's part of it. But as one of our pastors, and as we look at leaning into taking the hope of Christ into our city, one of the things I just refuse to believe is that our only shot is teenagers. I'm ready to see 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90-year-olds, 100, 110, 120. I'm probably pushing it after that. I'm ready to see people receive the kingdom of God because it is restoration and hope for them. So when this seed falls, sometimes the soil is shallow. And I did see that in youth ministry. I did see a student come alive. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you go, man, I remember those days and you've come back into church and you're trying to recapture what you once had. Well, we just know. I mean, Jesus tells you what the problem was. Like the soil was shallow. The the seed couldn't go down. Some work had to be done. Some work had to be done so that soil could be ready to receive that seed. And hold that thought because you could go the wrong direction with that. And very quickly, we could all become legalists. Do a certain amount of work, and then you get to receive the good things of God. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the soil was too shallow. Some work had to be done. Then we get to the third soil. I call this the anxious soil because Jesus actually tells us what the, what the challenge with this soil is. The seed just gets overgrown. Chat, verse 7 says, Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I have a hard time reading his explanation of the third soil and not finding myself and many of my peers and many of us in the church in that category. The cares of the world. The cares of the world. And the worries of riches. These things that, it doesn't say the thorns, it doesn't say the thorns were planted later. The thorns were already there and the seeds were planted amongst them. And the seeds grew up because they do. To me, this is like the rats. Anyone have vegetable gardens around here? Do you get rats in your gardens? I do. All right. We've been growing tomatoes for three months. 
four months. They're beautiful. There's, my wife sent me a picture of one when I was in Tennessee with a bunch of our students. She's like, when you get home, we're going to slice this thing open. All right, that's probably more dramatic than it was. But <laughs> she sends me this picture. I'm like, that's an amazing tomato. And then she sends me the picture of the tomato with like a little inch crater in it. Some of you are nodding. I hate rats. I'm not sure if that's biblically allowed or not, but I hate rats. I bought glue traps. I bought snap traps. I've laid them all over around the bases. I put them in my tomatoes. I put the snap traps in the tomatoes by the ones they're eating. If you're a rat, why don't you go back to the tomato you enjoyed the night before? You don't. You go to a new tomato and you skip the trap. So now I have to guess which tomato it's going to eat. When I read about the thorns and the weeds, I'm like, it's that. Once those rats are on your tomatoes, you don't really want to eat them anymore, right? You don't really, it just, that becomes your focus. I stopped growing tomatoes and now I'm just trying to catch and to be honest, kill rats. That's all I'm trying to do now. I don't have tomato plants anymore. I have rats that I can't find. That's what came to mind when I thought about that. I go, it's just, it cha- the thorns change everything. You can't harvest. You don't go in. The things grow up, but they can't produce anything because they're choked out by the anxieties of this world. Friends, we're anxious people, and it's gotten worse than ever. It's gotten worse than ever because we are flooded with information constantly. You know what information does? It makes us anxious. We're flooded with information. And we're also flooded with wealth. And those two things were things that several thousand years ago, a great storyteller spoke to crowds on the shore and said, be careful, because you can't, you can't produce a harvest when these things choke you out. And then he goes to the fourth soil, the good soil. The seed just goes down and it grows up and it overgrows. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And then verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word. And then there's a key operative word here and understands it. Says the, the word fell on the other places. The first one couldn't understand it. The second two received it, but didn't understand it. The third one. The fourth one understands it. And he indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, in another 30. Everything made sense. I mean, the whole story Jesus told was logical to that point. Seeds only grow in certain places, but the idea of a 30, 60, hundredfold yield was insane. Nothing grows like that. Ten times yield was considered like great crop. And so he starts to hyperbolize. There's Jesus telling stories again. The only problem is it's true. One seed in good soil produces 30, 60, 100. To those hearing, can you imagine Peter? Peter, who heard this story, not Peter Perkins, the apostle Peter, who heard this story, one seed in good soil produces what? I'm not even that good a soil. But on the day of Pentecost, he stands And he tells a gathered crowd about the resurrection of Jesus Christ in this new kingdom. And thousands come to believe. Peter and his friends experienced thousands of yield. Uh, Today on the patio is Malawi Children's Mission. 
Last week we heard Ken, or we heard Avisha share some of the story about her and Ken and the work they've done. Ken and Avisha, two seeds in soil, and today a place where hundreds of kids are given an education. There's healthcare, there's education for their parents, there's hope, all two seeds. And others have come along and joined in that. My own life, I thought about this. This is deeply personal. And again, being honest with you, some days I'm not fertile soil, some days. But I believe the story of Jesus and I decide to do the work I need to do on those days to figure out what is happening within my heart. Over my life, I've been privileged to see hundreds of people come to know the hope of Jesus Christ. Hundreds. I've been able to walk with families that are falling apart at the seams and see them experience the restoration of the goodness of God. I've been able to sit with students who have plans and are prepared to take their own lives in an area like this where we're six times the national average. And I've been able to sit with those students and together we've explored hope and we've seen one more life saved. And it's not because I am any different or any special, more special than anybody. It's because the seed went down into good soil. You know how I know that? There's fruit. There's fruit, there's a harvest over and over and over. And I'm looking out here and I see so many of you. I have 12 years I've been able to walk through life with you. So many of you that I see that harvest. Your your life is a story of that. You could get, I mean, Ken, Ken stands up here with this beautiful choir. They begin to sing for us. I don't even know the hymn when we start. And so I'm all over the place. And Ken's like looking at me, he's like, come on, buddy, catch up. And then by the end, I think I'm a choir master. All right, but all those people blessing hundreds of people every Sunday, a seed went down into good soil and that good soil produced a a life that was changed. And that life that was changed said, I have to express this through music. I've got to do something. We see this all over the place. Last week I was down at PCC Hudson. Um, They had 130 adults and almost 50 kids. Uh, They're too big for the space down there. Less than a year ago, we sent 70 people down to PCC Hudson our first of what we hope will be many worshiping communities in our city. That is a seed gone into soil producing a harvest. Because if the word of God is to produce the mission of God, it does so through the understanding of God's people. That's what Jesus tells us here. If the word of God is gonna produce the mission of God, it's gonna do so through your and my understanding. Now, I'm preaching next week too. So maybe I'll bring this back. I wanted to talk to you about this beautiful fake plant. Um, When Jesus spoke, there were no artificial plants. There was no way you could pretend to be fertile. There was no way you could pretend to be a robust growing seed. That just didn't exist. And then in our modern world, we've been introduced to this. And it's become easier and easier and easier. So... um, I don't know if I'll be able to talk to you about that next week as we look at the parable for next week. Um, But as I leave today, I'm taking this with me because hopefully I can talk about it some of our other spaces that I'll be at today. As I leave today, though, I hope that you'll take this parable and you'll pause and you'll go, which soil am I? And I want to promise you that the one answer that is unacceptable is this one. I'm this, look, I'm this. I'm just good on the outside. I'm all veneer. If you're shallow soil, be it, own it, get with people, learn how the seed has gone deep in their lives. If you're choked out by the worries of this world and the riches of life, get with people, sit with your church, figure it out, learn how to live generously with your time, your space, your energy, your thoughts, your attention. Do that and watch what happens. 
If you're the hard path, wow, we pray that that seed, when the enemy comes to snatch it down, he just gets swatted away and that you can stay long enough in our community to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and for it to take root. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you that it's the same seed, that there's one farmer, and that seed is made available to all of us to hear. I pray for understanding in our hearts, God, understanding in our minds, and that we could have hope. We could have hope that through the simple work done in our lives, you could affect many whether it's the, uh, the employees we oversee, the company the, that we create a culture for, whether it's the kids we're raising or the grandkids we're raising, whether it's our own marriage, our own singleness, whether it's the new job we just started or the school we're going to in a few weeks, that we would see that that simple seed planted in good soil, it affects every one of those spaces of our lives. It produces fruit. And God, the the world around us need it needs good fruit right now in jesus name thank you so much for listening to the peninsula covenant church podcast we believe you're here for a reason and we would love to connect with you more our campuses are located in redwood city california you can find us online at wearepcc.com and on facebook instagram and twitter just search for we are pcc